This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson. Killar jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, yeah. Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Welcome everybody yes. to another episode Snälla. of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. The best. Fantasy Hockey Podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. Brian, this is the last episode we have to do without any NHL play to talk about. The season starts this Wednesday. I am so excited. I've drafted. You've drafted. Oh, wait, I didn't even introduce you. Everyone, my name is Elon Dubrovsky, and I'm here with my co-host, Brian Com. Hi, everybody. Sorry, I'm just so excited to get going with another episode recording. These are always so fun, and this week is going to be no exception Now that Brian and I have drafted, and hopefully most of you have as well, we're going to be talking about players who maybe didn't get drafted and should be at the top of our watch lists. So people that as the season starts, if the people who you drafted turn out to be busts, who should you be looking at to potentially replace them? But first, let's take a look at some fantasy hockey headlines. Brian, yesterday the New York Islanders were busy. They picked up two defensemen. Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk. Do you think that means these players are going to have increased value in fantasy hockey and also are other players affected by this? Well, at a glance, this appears to help Nick Letty, if only because he jumps up the depth chart. In Chicago, Duncan Keith and Brett Seabrook would see more of the power play duties, although Letty actually had a few more minutes than Seabrook last season, but Seabrook did get better minutes in general than Letty and better opportunities to produce offense. On the island, the only player with any kind of offensive pedigree right now is Lubomir Wisnowski, and he's got some back problems that are leaving him doubtful at the beginning of the year. And of course, I'm talking just about blue liners here. So I think Letty's going to have a chance to, to step up. Although if you do look at how many minutes he got last year on the power play, Like I said, he had five more minutes than Brent Seabrook and was second to only Duncan Keith. Mind you, it was by about 70 minutes. But it's not like he was totally buried on the power play in Chicago. He still managed to put up 10 points in that time, which gives him a points per 60 of about 3.68 compared to Duncan Keith's 4.30 and Brent Seabrook's 3.40. So you find him right in the middle there. And the only defenseman who managed a better number than that in Long Island last year, can you guess? And we're talking about points on the power play? Points per 60. 60 on the power play. Points per 60 on the power play on the Islanders last season. Um, McDonald while he was there? No, not Andrew McDonald, although he did play the most minutes out of any Islanders defenseman on the power play. I don't know, man. Hamanich? No, also a no. Only 2.09 points per 60. You'll never guess. So I'm just going to tell you it was Matt Donovan. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't you just want to say who? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that's the response that Matt Donovan normally gets. He had a 4.31 points per 60 rate in 83 minutes of power play time. So among the defenseman still in Long Island to start this season. He was the minutes leader and the points per 60 leader. Nick Letty played about double the minutes that Matt Donovan did. And so I can see him stepping in quite nicely in Long Island. And hey, if he can put up a similar points per 60 rate, I imagine he'll stick at least as a power play quarterback or maybe the power play two quarterback. So this is at least a very good opportunity for him. I'm not sure if it's a a significant bump in his value. Well, he did have 31 points last season, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. No, and maybe with a little bit more power play time and responsibility, he can hit 40. I wouldn't overrate him all of a sudden. I don't think it changes a whole lot, but maybe it'll be a little more exciting to follow him this year. The only other player affected by these two trades, in my mind, and what I was thinking as these happened during my fantasy draft last night, is Yaroslav Halak. The Isles had, like, no defensive depth, or they had a little bit, but a lot of it was inexperienced and unproven. Now they have two guys who have played defense for top teams in the league, Boychuk is is all right. He's not going to set the world on fire, but he does help firm things up a little more. And if you have already drafted Halak, or if you were kind of trying to decide between him and another guy and it was paper thin, this might be enough to just eh, kind of push Halak up enough to make the decision easier for you. But also, at the same time, I'm going to say don't read too much into it. It's not going to change his numbers significantly at all. It does give him a little bit more defensive support, and that's a good thing for a goalie. Okay, and as far as Johnny Boychuk goes, you don't see him becoming the next superstar defenseman on the Islanders? Not unless your league uses advanced statistics for defensemen, which it probably doesn't, and it probably never will. But Johnny Boychuk, despite some of the tougher assignments on Boston, was able to put up some pretty impressive possession numbers. And that gives him value as like a shutdown defenseman who can take on some tough minutes and tough assignments, but not in your fantasy league. All right, so he had five goals and 18 assists last season for 23 points. I guess you're saying we definitely shouldn't expect any more than that? No, and if your league counts plus minus, it might be hurt a little bit by the trade. He remains fantasy irrelevant. All right, well, on to our second headline. Let's talk about a young gun who is definitely raising some eyebrows. I guess all of you experienced prospect poolies probably know this name very well, but a lot of people have started hearing for the first time the name of Johnny Gaudreau, on the Calgary Flames. He had three assists in a preseason game last Thursday against Winnipeg, and now it's looking like he's going to make the team. And I'm curious to know, what do you think the outlook is on Gaudreau? And I'm going to have to tell you that I actually drafted him in my draft yesterday, so I'm especially curious to know. Well, you, me, and flamesnation.ca are all kind of enamored with Johnny Gaudreau right now, especially after that night. That was fantastic. And if you saw the highlights with your eyes, instead of just looking at the numbers, you would have seen an incredible pass among those three assists. And it was very exciting to watch. And it got both of us a little pumped up during our drafts. Uh, if you look at this preseason number, he has a goal and three assists in six games played so far. I think what this preseason does for him, at the very least, is that he probably makes the team for opening night on October 8th. Beyond that, you know how reticent I am to pump up a guy before he's played a game in the regular season, but he is kind of interesting, and you know, I don't know, it's weird, like Sean Monaghan's season last year, where he kind of came out of nowhere in terms of never having scored an NHL goal before, and suddenly there he was. That kind of makes me feel like Goudreau could maybe do the same. It's not really a rational way of thinking, but I think that was in my head when I 
half accidentally drafted him in my pool. Don't get too excited, but maybe he's a guy you could have on your watch list uh, as you watch how the first few games shake out and see how he's being used and who his line mates are. Okay, yeah, I actually drafted him because I was using Scott Cullen's predictions as part of my tools to help me during my draft, and he had him pretty high, like I think 40 or 50 points. But now that I think about it, I doubt he'll be getting top line minutes and power play time. And I noticed a guy who will on Calgary that wasn't drafted in my pool is Mikhail Backlund. So I'm thinking of maybe dropping Goodrow for Backlund after the first game or so if uh, I see that Backlund has a much better opportunity to put up points and power play points. The Flames are overall an interesting team. I think Mikhail Backlund is a good choice as a depth player Another guy that I think a lot of poolies have forgotten about is Sven Berchi, who I think people probably drafted last year or the year before when the hype was really building up around him pre-draft. And this year, Mike Camilleri isn't there on the left wing on the first line, and that opens a spot. And you've got Berchi and Goudreau, who both play left wing, and perhaps one of them gets to slot in there. And even if they do, though, their line mates might be Matt Stajan and Lee Stempniak, or Michael Backlund and Yuri Hoodler, or Joel Colborn and Sean Monaghan, according to last year's line combinations, which isn't exactly the most fruitful of positions to be. But hey, it's an opportunity to produce. And I guess the thing to watch with all these guys is their power play time. Who's getting the five on four time to be able to put up some extra points and get that advantage? Yeah, and for those of you who have just started listening to Keeping Carlson in this preseason series that we've been doing, definitely the podcast is going to be a bit different starting next week when there's actually NHL hockey to talk about, and we'll definitely be keeping you appraised of who's getting what minutes, who's playing with who. You know, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of what exactly is going on instead of just, you know, guessing things like we've been doing the past few weeks. I can't wait to actually do that. And of course, we can't complete our headlines section of the podcast without talking about the namesake of this podcast. It's not exactly fantasy news, but Eric Carlson is now the captain of the Ottawa Senators. So congratulations to Eric Carlson and just another reason to be keeping Carlson. Does this mean we should add a C to our logo? Okay, so let's get to the meat of the show. Like I said at the top, we're going to talk about some players who likely weren't drafted in your fantasy hockey drafts and should be at the top of your watch list. So, Brian, why don't you get us started? Who do you have at the top of your watch list after you've finished your draft? Well, my league is about 288 players deep, which doesn't leave a whole lot. The top guys on my watch list right now aren't the top guys ranked by Yahoo that are available. But for me, it's Charlie Coyle. That's really just out of interest. I don't expect a whole lot from him or to be really worth a roster position, especially in the first week or two. But I'm open to being surprised. And Derek Roy is the other one who's moved to Nashville, I think, really hurt his fantasy value. And I'm not holding my breath for anything from him. Yahoo would tell me that the best players available still are Mike Fisher, Franz Nielsen, Travis Zajac, David Leguan, Michael Bodker. And out of those, maybe Michael Bodker is the guy I'm most interested in. Maybe David Leguan works a little bit more magic like he did last year. I'm not sure. But more interestingly, Elon, let's look at the guys who are less than 15% drafted in Yahoo leagues this year. All right. So these are guys who most of our listeners, or at least 85% of our listeners, should have available. I'm going to start with a trio of teammates on the Montreal Canadiens. We have Alex Galchenyuk, who was drafted in only 13% of leagues, Brennan Gallagher, who was drafted in only 9% of leagues, and Thomas Plekanec, who is a free agent in 97% of leagues. Now, we kind of know what to expect from Plekanec. He had an off year last year. Perhaps he'll get back up into the 50-point range. 60 points would be really nice, but maybe that's expecting a little much. 
But the more interesting of the two, I think, are Galchenyuk and Gallagher. So let's focus on them a little bit. Just to remind you of their numbers, last year Galchenyuk had 13 goals and 18 assists for 31 points in 65 games. And Gallagher was about on the same point pace. He had 19 goals and 22 assists for 41 points in 81 games. The biggest difference between them was their shots on goal rate. And that's what, in my mind, would tip the scales towards Gallagher. Not only just if your league counts shots on goal, but of course, as we have talked about a lot on the show, more shots on goals means more opportunities to score, regardless of where they're coming from. Gallagher also had the best points per 60 rate of the two. He was fourth among Montreal forwards who'd played 500 minutes or more. Galchenyuk was right behind him at fifth with 1.39 points per 60 minutes. Both of these guys, but especially Gallagher, are worth a spot on your fantasy team. Probably, maybe Yahoo already drafted Jordan Stahl for you, or Jonathan Huberdeau, like it did for me when I got disconnected from my draft. Sorry to throw that in there, but I'm still mad. And just for reference sake, Thomas Plekanec was down at 8th among forwards. Not a whole lot further behind Alex Galchenyuk, but he was behind Brian Gianta and Daniel Briere, for what that's worth. Brian, don't be so down about Jonathan Huberdeau. He could have a bounce back year. Let's hope so. He won the Calder with 31 points in 48 games in his rookie season. And then last year it had less than a half point per game. I guess I'm hoping he will, but he wasn't my choice. It might be an early drop for me just because I didn't draft him. He's not my guy. It's like when a new GM comes in and fires the coach. (laughs) Okay. Who else is there on your list of low-owned players on Yahoo who people should be eyeing? Well, we've warned a lot of people in our preseason series to not get too excited about Gustav Nyquist. Yeah, he was really exciting, and it's easy to lose your mind over what he did. But to keep your expectations tempered for this year, somebody who we haven't mentioned who maybe should be pumped up a little bit and came in in sort of the same prospect class as an older guy finally getting out of the Red Wing system and joining them in the NHL. I'm talking about Thomas Tatar, who was drafted in only 10% of Yahoo leagues and I think maybe should have been drafted in a little more. He was a very late sleeper pick in my own draft, and to be honest, he was off my radar until then. But when I looked deep at his numbers, it looks pretty good. He was third among Red Wings forwards who have played more than 500 minutes last season in points per 60 minutes. And beyond the Red Wings, he's actually 51st in the whole league based on last year's numbers in points per 60 minutes. And that puts him in the same company as players like Claude Giroux, who is 50th, Brian Little, 49th, Nathan McKinnon, 53rd. You've also got Pascal Dupuis and P.A. Parenteau and Joel Ward in there. So it's a bit of a crapshoot, but the point is that he's top 50 in points per 60 minutes amongst elite scorers and somebody that if you're disappointed with somebody early on in the season, you can pull the trigger quick because I don't think he should be available too long going into the season. Okay, so Brian, why don't you give us one more person from your list of people who you've seen are low-owned on Yahoo and you think people should be grabbing? Well, I'm going to recommend a guy whose possession numbers are awful, but it's not really his fault because it's the same for his entire team. In fact, relative to the rest of his team, uh, they're probably average, which is a good enough start because he's young, he's a former first-round pick, he's going into his second full season, not counting the lockout shortened one. He is Cody Hodgson, first line center on the Buffalo Sabres. And Elon, 
you were trying to convince me so much towards the end of last year, maybe like in the last two months of the season, that he was really worth a look and he's really coming up and we need to talk about him so much and really pump him up. And I kind of resisted, resisted, resisted. And then, well, I think I'm converted now based on the numbers he finished with last season. He had 20 goals and 24 assists for 44 points. He's a minus 26. That's really going to hurt you if your league counts plus minus. But on the other hand, his power play points helped to counterbalance that. He had 19 points with the man advantage last year. And compared to other plays you can get at that draft position or in free agency, that's a really nice number. He went undrafted in 92% of Yahoo leagues. That means 8% of you who are playing Yahoo have the chance to pick him up as a free agent early in the season. I am almost positive there is somebody on your roster worth dropping for Cody Hodgson. Don't let the Sabres scare you away and make the move as soon as you feel ready. I assume you meant that 8% of people don't have him available, but I get your point, Brian, and I wish I could have drafted Cody Hodgson. He was actually drafted pretty high in my draft, and I think for good reason. I think that when the Sabres get a goal, it might just come from Hodgson. Yep, 20-goal guy last year, and hopefully more this year. And yes, 92% of you have the option. So if you're like, oh, I can't be part of the 8%, well, now you're part of the 92%, and maybe you have to take action. All right, so now I wanted to ask you, Brian, about a couple of players that I have on my watch list from people who weren't drafted in my draft. So I'm on ESPN, so I could give you their numbers. I want to start with Yori Lahetra from the St. Louis Blues. He's only owned in 4% of leagues. He's really come up a lot on Rotowire and people talking about him on the Fantasy Hockey subreddit. He's coming from the KHL, where he's already played four seasons. So he's, you know, right around the prime of his career. He's 27 years old. Last year, he had 44 points in 48 games for the Novosibirsk Sibir. Wow, great Russian. <laughs> And he's been doing pretty well so far in the preseason. Yesterday against Minnesota specifically, he had two goals and one assist. You know, played 18 minutes, three shots on goal. I know it's preseason, so we're not supposed to take much out of it. But anyways, here's a guy available in my league. What do you say about him? Well, using NHL equivalencies, and we've talked about those briefly on the show before. You can look into them more at behindthenet.ca. 92 points in 100 KHL games would roughly be worth about 76 points in the NHL, which is not too shabby. That's certainly something to get a little excited about. 76 points in 100 games? Yes, it's not exactly a projection. Again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but it is an idea of how much those points would be worth to an NHL team. Okay, yeah, that would be approximately 62 points in a regular NHL season. But again, not a projection, just maybe a promising sign. And an unpromising sign on Letera's behalf is that he is currently third on the Blues depth chart at center. And notwithstanding different positional eligibilities, which we're not sure exactly how they'll play out at this point in the season, I don't see a lot of room for him to move up that depth chart and play within the top six. Maybe occasionally, this is a situation that I have no idea how to read. This discussion brings back memories of Roman Cervenka from two years ago. He came over with no NHL experience, but he was older than any rookies at 27 years old. And he was able to put up 17 points in 39 games with Calgary. Now, the team was lousy. 
He seemed okay, but I, maybe that can serve as a little bit of a caveat before investing too much in this Lettera fellow. The other player I wanted to ask you about who I currently have on my watch list is Trevor Daly, the defenseman on the Dallas Stars. I saw an article pop up on Roto World last Thursday saying that Trevor Daly has played on Dallas's top power play unit for the last two preseason games. And if that's the case, I think that definitely makes him someone worth looking at, you know, if he's going to be playing on the power play with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan and maybe Jason Spezza. Last season, Daly had 25 points in 67 games. I remember he really sort of caught fire a little bit at the end of the season. Do you think he's someone that people should be rushing to grab or or watching as the season approaches? Rushing to grab, not sure. On your watch list, well, he's on mine, so maybe that's worth something to you. In terms of even strength play amongst Dallas defensemen, Trevor Daly was second in points per 60 minutes, by the way, which is apparently my new favorite metric, only behind Alex Goligoski and really not by a statistically significant amount even. He also put more shots on net per 60 minutes. The rub is that he played 300 fewer minutes than Alex Goligoski at evens. But Elon, your question pertains more to power play value. And surprisingly, his value there was actually significantly worse than his teammates Sergei Gonchar and Alex Goligoski. He had fewer than half the points per 60 rate of both of them, although he did have a lot fewer minutes and perhaps less quality teammates while on the ice. But I suppose a door opens for him, not only because of what you were saying that's happened in preseason, but Gonchar is out for three to five weeks, which means that maybe he'll get a chance. Last year on the power play, Gonchar and Goligoski ran the show without question. Nobody came close to them in terms of minutes played, and Trevor Daly was the only one with more than 50 minutes played with the man advantage. Maybe he'll get a chance to do a little bit more this year, and if it's with either of those top two units, Dallas is so strong in their top six this year, he'd be a good guy to have. I don't know if so many leagues are deep enough that he'd be relevant to pick up right now, but he is somebody to watch, especially if his minutes do stay on par with Goligoski. Like I said, even if he did have the same number of minutes, according to last year's numbers, he'd put up significantly fewer points, but perhaps he'll be in a better situation this year, and it's something to keep an eye on. Okay, thanks for that in-depth analysis. He's definitely someone to watch. And I should mention that when I'm asking about power play minutes, I guess I, I kind of like to use that as a proxy for myself. You know, if a player is getting more time on the power play, I feel like the team is using him offensively and it also is an indicator of non-power play time but i guess that's not always the case because there are these people who are considered uh, power play specialists and let's just close out this segment elon with a quick rundown of players that we talked a lot about towards the end of last year and surprise surprise they're interesting players to watch this year who are still available in many yahoo leagues most of them over 90 percent of your leagues they're available and they were taking in the deep rounds of my own draft and i'll just list their names here carl soderberg Tyler Toffoli, Mark Scheifele, and Mikhail Granlund. All right, and I guess I'll run through a list myself. I'll just give you a list of some goalies who I think are interesting if they weren't drafted in your pools. Alex Stalock on San Jose. There are a lot of rumblings that he might be getting more minutes than he had last year. And most of them are in your head. I'm still not convinced. Well, we'll see. But I'm definitely going to be interested to see what happens with Stalock and Niemi in San Jose. Stalock was drafted in my pool. I was kind of hoping I could just 
weight on him. I actually took with my third goalie, Darcy Kemper, who is another guy you should watch if he is low-owned, just because Minnesota's a strong team, and there's a good chance he will be the starter, or at the least in a 1A, 1B scenario with Nicholas Backstrom, until Josh Harding comes back, but that's not for a few months. Yeah, if you're high on Brian Elliott, then you should start thinking about Darcy Kemper as being about the same level, assuming that he can wrestled at least half the starts away from right now it's Nicholas Backstrom and another couple of goalies I would keep your eye on are Eddie Lack over on Vancouver and James Reimer on Toronto who we've talked about before but yeah I think both of those guys are just good solid goalies and if they get the opportunity they should put up at least you know good save percentages and things like that yeah each of those guys is well positioned to step into a starter's role should the starter falter And one of the better backups in the league is Thomas Grice, who went undrafted in several leagues. Marc-Andre Fleury is a better regular season goalie than most people allow, and even maybe postseason despite his struggles. That doesn't mean he's far above average, but it does mean that it might be harder for Grice to grab the top job from Fleury than it would be from, say, Eddie Lack to grab the top job from Ryan Miller. All right, and let's close out the show by answering one listener question. We, of course, answer your questions when you write to us either on Twitter at Keeping Carlson or at our email address, keepingcarlson at gmail.com. But one that I think is interesting for the show, Scott Bogman at Bogman Sports asked, at Keeping Carlson, with Malkin's mystery injury, where do you take him in a first-year keeper draft? And Brian, how did you respond to Scott? I told him that I wish I could tell him, but like all of our listeners, I really have no inside info on injuries or really any brilliant insight into what's going to happen with them. I wouldn't be too scared away by it. He did skate recently, but I guess the answer is it's up to your level of squeamishness is the word I would use to say how how much you could stomach potentially drafting Malkin and then having him sit out for months. Okay, well, maybe just to make this a little bit easier, if he wasn't injured, where would you be taking him in the first round of a keeper draft? Well, he's definitely in that top group of elite players. We're assuming standard categories, probably top five for sure. Right, so I think, especially since it's a keeper draft, and since he's already skating, at least for me, I'd keep him in the top five, maybe fourth or fifth. Uh, Maybe, you know, if there's a guy who you're thinking is close to him, someone like a Tavares or something, if you're deciding which one, maybe go with Tavares since he's, you know, not injured. But at the same time, probably it's not a serious injury. But, I mean, we don't know. Hopefully not. That's a good point. It is really important to consider that keeper parameter, which is what you just did. So I like your advice. Thanks, Brian. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Keeping Carlson. We really appreciate having you aboard. And this is our last episode where we're not going to be talking about NHL regular season play for a long, long time. So make sure you're subscribed because we're really excited to get into the actual nitty gritty of talking about specific things that are happening. Also, I want to quickly thank all of the people who have given us five-star reviews on iTunes. We noticed a bit of a bump recently and, you know, I asked for it on the show and you delivered. So thank you. And for those of you who haven't, you know, just give a quick click. It uh, shouldn't be too difficult, and it really does a lot for us. It helps people find the show. Also, I want to mention that we are, of course, presented by Daily Faceoff, whose draft kit I used in my draft yesterday. They have a bunch of projections of players, write-ups. It's really well done, and anyone who still has an upcoming draft, you know, download it, and also even if you've already drafted, you could still use it during the season to look at what they say about all the players that are on your watch list, like the ones we've talked about today. Dailyfaceoff.com is where you can go to get that. All right, and since you're in the link giving mood, Brian. Why don't we cue that outro music and Brian read us the rest of the credits. Okay, to research the show today, we use dailyfaceoff.com, leftwinglock.com, behindthenet.ca, dauberhockey.com, hockeyanalysis.com, and progressivehockey.com, and Yahoo Sports and ESPN Fantasy Hockey. 
Good job, Brian. And by the way, people, check out our website, keepingcarlson.com. For this episode's show notes, we're going to be posting the lineups of the teams that we drafted yesterday, if you're interested. But, yep, that's it. Thanks a lot, and we'll catch you all next week. Keep on keeping Carlson.